0: Welcome to Carmel Presbyterian Church's podcast channel. Open up a Bible or just listen in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you. So I'm going to describe three people for you all, and based off of my these are real people, mind you, based off of my description, what I want you to do is in your heart of hearts decide which one of these people is a Christian. Right? That's a healthy thing to do at church, right? We should do that. So we'll start with an easy one. This first person is an accountant, she's a lawyer, she's a bunch of things. She's very impressive, and she is absolutely crazy about Jesus. She's always looking for an opportunity to tell people about her faith. She's the kind of person that could find a way to turn every conversation into a gospel presentation. Now I can imagine her sitting down, you know across the table from someone's you know, speaking of uh, crunching numbers. Um, let me tell you that God knows the number of hair on your head. And then she's like, you know what? Tax law. Well, there's also God's law, and you have been saved by Christ from God's law. So I could... One last story, because I found it out yesterday. I found out that this woman is in the notorious um, police log of the pine cone, right, Um, for inviting someone to church. They called the police on her for harassing them. So um, that's the first person. Is she a Christian? Yeah, obviously she is a Christian. How many of you would describe yourselves in that way who are just like gung-ho, extroverted, evangelist for Jesus? Come on, seriously, same with the other service. This can't be true. (laughs) Most of us do not fall into that category. Not everyone is called to be a gifted evangelist. We just heard Ephesians 4.11 that says God calls different people into different roles. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. So some of us are specifically called to be apostles or to be called prophets or evangelists or shepherds and teachers. But you have noticed that some churches um, expect every single person to be that outspoken evangelist who who memorizes the gospel presentations, who goes door-to-door knocking and telling people about Jesus, who stands on street corners. And the reality is that's not what the Bible teaches us. Not everyone is called to be that God-gifted evangelist. And thanks, God, because obviously we'd be scared a little bit, right, by the, the lack of hands that went up. But each of us plays this really important part, a vital, integral part in the body of Christ. So we're not all called evangelists, and we can just completely outsource that aspect of our faith, right? Like, don't worry about it. Like, you don't have to invite anyone to church or tell them about Jesus because the evangelist got it. Like, I am an apostle or a teacher, not my business over there, right? That's how it works? No. This is a sermon, so you, I'm going I'm to rib you a little bit, like I'm going to give you God's truth. While there are specific people set aside to be gifted evangelists, all of us are called to be evangelistic believers. In 1 Peter 3.15, he's writing to all of Christians, and he's saying, "'But in your hearts set apart, apart Christ as Lord.'" Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So whereas the aforementioned gifted evangelists are often equipped to share the gospel through bold proclamation, the rest of us, who are called evangelistic believers, we share the gospel most often when people ask us about the hope that we have. And that's why we must live questionable lives. We have to live our lives in a way that demands a gospel presentation or a gospel explanation. We have to live our lives in ways that naturally invite questions from others as to why we live the way that we do. And then when we do, in fact, live these types of questionable lives, then people ask us questions and we'll be able to give them a gracious response. We're beginning a new series today that attempts to answer this question, how do we live out our mission and vision? So over the past few weeks, we've been talking about Carmel Prez's particular mission and vision. Our mission at Carmel Presbyterian Church is to make disciples and grow Christ-like followers of Jesus. And then our vision is to lead all in our community to become lifelong disciples of Jesus Christ. So that begs the question, that's fantastic, that's our mission and vision, how? Like, how do we live that out? And so I want to encourage you because we are in fact already living into our mission. And we witnessed that fully last week. So let's look at the screens. I see your face in every sunrise, the colors of the moon. thank you all who were able to come and witness that, because that is a fulfillment of our mission. That, it, that is an example of lives transformed, and we should absolutely celebrate and be extremely thankful for what God is doing in the midst of Carmel Presbyterian Church. But we should also be a people who begs for more, for more from God that we wouldn't just be satisfied with six, even though that is awesome. We want more because our vision says that we are to lead all in our community to become lifelong disciples of Jesus Christ. So are all of your friends, your family, your co-workers, your fellow students, are all of them Christ followers? No, they're not. And so... That means we haven't fulfilled our, our vision yet, right? So it means we have a lot of work to do. It's a daunting task. So where do we even begin when we think of trying to climb that steep of a mountain? Well, today I'm going to give you a few suggestions. So our primary passage for today is Colossians 4, 2 through 6. It teaches um, that there's this twofold ministry of evangelism. That has the gifted evangelists on one side and then the evangelistic believers on the other. So you can turn in a Bible or an app to Colossians 4. And if you're using a pew Bible, it's in page 985. Let me just explain a little bit before we read the text. In this passage, there are the ones writing, namely Paul, who's one of the few gifted evangelists. We, We realize that about Paul and his ministry. And then they're the ones who are receiving this letter, who are mostly, like a lot of us in this room, evangelistic believers. So let's pray together as we open up God's word. Lord, would you speak like only you can speak? Holy Spirit, we ask that you would tune our ears to hear your voice ever so clearly, that you would tune our hearts. To experience all that you have for us be glorified and magnified in this place jesus it's in your name amen colossians 4 verses 2 through 6 continue steadfastly in prayer being watchful in it with thanksgiving at the same time pray also for us that god may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So there are the gifted evangelists, Paul and his companions. He asked the church to pray for him. That door, even from prison, that doors would be open for him to make a bold proclamation of the gospel. And that when he does so, that he would be able to do it with clarity and conviction. Like with our faithful accountant, slash lawyer, slash everything woman that I mentioned, we pray for her. As a church, we pray for her and we look for ways that we can equip her to do her work of bold proclamation. And There are others like her in this church. But then there are the rest of us, the evangelistic believers. They are also to pray for themselves, to be watchful and to be wise in the way they interact and socialize with those who are not believers. They are to be intentional, so they make the most of every opportunity. They are to live questionable lives that evoke curiosity about the Christian message so that they can give gracious answers about their faith. You've got a key verse in there for us. Verse five that says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. The NIV puts it this way, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. In order to get a bunch of opportunities to share our faith effectively, we must, Be intentional in the way we live our lives and the habits we cultivate. This is the whole point of living questionable lives. We must live in such a way that actually merits asking why do we live that way? And the reality is we can't just settle on being a good neighbor or a nice person. Let me tell you about the other two people. I promised you three you determine between these two who's the Christian. I have the pleasure of dropping off my boys at daycare and uh, I get at the same time as another dad where I, we, we're like, yo, because we're some of the few dads that get the pleasure of dropping off their kids. And so I see that dad all the time and he is just pumped up on life. Every time I see him, just stoked out of his head, like just excited, like, yeehoo And he's like, hey man, good morning. And I'm like, hey, I don't know your name, but we know each other by our kids' names. You're Malachi's dad. And so that's how that goes. And he's, he seems so unhurried and peaceful. And then there's this other person, and he's been in this community for a long time, and he's a director of an after-school program. He's one of the most kind, compassionate, enthusiastic people that I've ever met. He spends all day pouring into the lives of teenagers. He works on their behalf and advocates for them in a multitude of ways, and he genuinely lives his life sacrificially. Now, which one of these two guys is the Christian? It's harder to to say, right? The reality is that the the dad is actually the Christian and the the director is not a Christian. And some of us grew up with churches that expected too much of us. For all of us to be that gung-ho evangelist that is just telling every single person we encounter about Jesus. And then other of us have been raised in churches that expect too little. Some have said that all we have to do is be a nice person and every once in a while we can like invite them, slip over like a a little bulletin thing, the, the inserts that we hand out around Christmas and Easter, like, all right, you did your job, just give them one of those. Inviting someone to church once in a while will never, ever help us fulfill our mission and vision completely. So... What do we do? The truth is, we are all a body, we're all equipped, and we're all called. We're called to be a holy people who are on mission for God. And we're much more than just church marketers who are trying to convince people of the benefits of attending a church service every once in a while. The Bible paints a story of ordinary people being plucked out by God and doing amazing things in His name in order to demonstrate the reign of God through Christ. So we're all on mission for Jesus and with Jesus. The more we understand that, the more we realize that our lives are anything but ordinary. So our challenge is to find out what does it look like to live questionable lives in the 21st century. What kind of life will demonstrate the values of the kingdom of God, and what kind of intriguing lifestyle will set us apart, will make us unique, so that we can then get asked questions and give gracious answers. Those of us who are not gifted evangelists need to foster habits that draw us into the lives of unbelievers and invite the kind of questions that encourage evangelistic sharing. And if your only habits are attending church once in a while and going to small group, it's not going to connect you with many unbelievers, right? And by the way, that's not going to be that appealing or invoke any questions from unbelievers, really. If we are trying to live questionable lives by just like gardening and saying hi to people across the street or you know walking your dog and saying hi washing your car all of those things you know being a good person when you're on the roads during u.s open week and you're not yelling at anyone like if that's our only witness uh, that's hardly an intriguing lifestyle for people we need habits that are going to really distinguish us from the rest so i have to admit that thus far this sermon i got written consent from one of my friends he he preached this a while ago, and he let me borrow a lot of what he was thinking. But I feel better about that because he based his entire sermon on a book anyway. And so the, the book is called The Five Habits of Highly Missional People, and you can actually get it online um, for free. You can find it. It's just this uh, short little PDF book, and um, it's become part of this movement, and um, it's changed a lot of people's ministries and churches are, are em, employing some of the stuff that, that I'm about to sh- share with you. And so the recognition is that we need to cultivate habits in order to live questionable lives. If, you are, if we are going to lead, like as our vision says, all in our community to be lifelong disciples of Jesus Christ, then we must adopt habits like these in order to live those questionable lives. So the first, if, you want to, if you're a note taker, and even if you're not, you might want to just take notes for this part. Um, it'll save you the time of reading the book if you don't want to read the book. So I'm going to outline the book kind of. The first habit is to bless others. I want you to make the, co- the commitment each week to bless three people. And by bless, I simply mean anything that relieves their burden in life, anything that helps them breathe more easily, anything that lifts their spirit or alleviates their distress. It can be a small thing or it can be large. So one way of blessing someone is through words of affirmation. You can send someone a note, write them an email, text them, send them snail mail, give them some form of encouragement. This is a unique thing. We had 22 graduates in here last night. And and every single one of them were affirmed by three people in this sanctuary. And it's not something they're used to. It's not something we do every day. You can tell because as they're being affirmed, they're uncomfortable. Right? When someone's speaking right to your face and saying, "I I value you because of these reasons. If we could be a people that does that consistently... That, that has the power to break down walls and to soften hearts. I can promise you that. If you have an encourager in your life, you know it to be true. Like You know that you, that person is an ally for you and you turn to them in times of need. So if we are a people, a church that affirms others, that could have a huge impact for God's kingdom and us fulfilling our vision. Another way to bless others would be through acts of kindness. This could be helping someone with gardening or exhausted parents like James. You could offer to um, watch his baby, although she's really young, so I don't think mom would let you yet, but soon she might let you. Um, You could help a neighbor move. Those of you who own a pickup truck, that was a bad move. Like, You got (laughs) to use it for the kingdom, like if you own a pickup truck, it's part of the deal. And the last way that you can bless someone is through gifts. And I'm not talking about the gift type, like birthday gifts, Christmas gifts. I'm talking about completely random gift giving. If we would just practice this habit of blessing other people together, I think we would unleash a culture of blessing. So let me be more specific. I'm asking you to bless three people this week. One of those people can be someone, should be someone in this church. One should be outside of this church, and then the third one you can choose from either category. The simple act of blessing three people weekly can have a huge evangelistic impact. There was research study done of two teams of short-term missionaries that visited Thailand with two different strategies. One team was prepared to be the blessers. They went out with the intention only to bless other people. Then there was another team that was the converters, And and their job was to go and be those kind of gospel-presenting evangelists. Dave Ferguson, in his book, Discover Your Mission Now, summarized the findings. First of all, they discovered that the blessers had a greater social impact than the converters. This proved that the blessers' intention of blessing the people in the community around them resulted in tremendous amounts of social betterment and social good. Secondly, and here is what is so surprising they discovered that the blessers also had almost 50 times as many conversions than the converters. The blessers were 50 times more successful in helping people find their way back to God. Crazy. So blessing others leads them to ask the question, why? Why are you doing this for me? And that's when you get to tell them why because of everything that Jesus has done for you and given to you. The next habit is arguably my favorite, much to my waistline chagrin, which is to eat. Again, this goal is to eat with one person in our faith community, one outside of our faith community, and then the third one can be either or. Now, some of you are going, how could you possibly like eat with three different people in a week? Here's the math, okay? Most people eat three meals a day. Some people eat four or five. That works out to 21 meals a week. I'm asking you to eat three meals with other people. And there is one cheat that I will allow. You invite three people to one meal. That's your one cheat. I would prefer you not do that. But um, you can make this into some sort of elaborate meal and just spoil the heck out of them or it can be just a simple donut and coffee. I just want you to sit across the table from someone and share a meal with them. As Alan Hirsch says in his book with Lance Ford, right here, right now, sharing meals together on a regular basis is one of the most sacred practices we can engage in as believers. Missional hospitality is a tremendous opportunity to extend the kingdom of God we can literally eat our way into the kingdom of God. If every Christian household regularly invited a stranger or a poor person into their home for a meal, once a week, we would literally change the world by eating. I work with students, how do I get them places? I feed them, like that's, right, acai bowls? You all like those, those are expensive, we gotta stop that. The the third habit is to listen. And by listen, I mean to listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so this requires us to get alone and to be with God. And don't come to that with any sort of agenda. Just place yourself before God. And in that, there's a good chance the Holy Spirit will reveal something to you. It might be conviction. It might be encouragement. It might, he might place a name or a face in your mind that you're supposed to bless that week. He might bring to mind someone that he told you to bless last week and you ignored him, and he's like, yo, go back to that because I wasn't messing around. And he might reveal these things to you. And so we need to be a people who are attuned to the voice of the Spirit so that we're led by the Spirit. It's a really important that we listen to God. One of the most foundational books that I ever read growing up as a, a baby Christian um, was in, Encountering God. And so the basic premise of it is so often we go out on mission for God and then we ask Him to bless what we've done rather than saying, God, where are you working in my midst and can I come and join you? Like it's transformational to be invited into what God's already doing rather than us just going full bore and then asking God to come and join us. Fourth habit is to learn by spending at least one period of the the week learning Christ. You've all heard the phrase, what would Jesus do? So how do we find out what Jesus would do. We would soak in the word. We would learn the things of Jesus. We would turn probably most often to the gospels. We would read and reread Jesus's life, what he taught, what he did. And then when we are placed into a situation, the more we know about Jesus and who he is and who his character is. then we're more apt to respond like Jesus would respond. So it's really essential for our faith that we, can, we are lifelong learners of Jesus Christ. And so wherever you are in your devotional life, if you have never even started a devotional life, I would encourage you to start with the Gospels. If you're far along in your devotional life and you're just like, I only read um, the minor prophets in Hebrew, Luke, um, then... <laughs> still open up the Gospels along the way, all right? Keep coming back to Jesus's life. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. The last habit is sent. And what I mean by this is to begin identifying ourselves as missionaries, as sent ones. And the reality is you are, you are already sent because you're in the world, You have jobs you're in school um, you've got hobbies and sports teams and dance and all of these things you're already sent you're already out there i'm asking that you start to see every aspect of your life as a potential area in which to bring the light of christ in order to help facilitate this and help you be mindful i would encourage you to journal to journal about how god has been using you throughout the week even in small ways, how God has announced or demonstrated his universal reign. Doing God's work of mission is not just for the paid staff, the pastors, the elders. Doing God's mission, and if we want to fulfill our vision for our church, it requires everyone to recognize that we are on mission as sent ones for Jesus. Each of these habits is designed to release a certain value, when we bless others, then we are expressing God's kingdom value of generosity. When we eat with others, then we are practicing hospitality. When we listen for God's spirit, we are practicing being spirit-led. When we set aside time to learn Christ, we become more Christ-like. And when we journal and reflect on the ways in which we are alerting others to God's kingdom, we are acting as missionaries. So in case you didn't notice, the acronym spells BELLS. And one bell by itself sounds pretty nice, but the more all of us as a body live into this, and you've got a chorus of bells working together that draws people into the kingdom. And this place becomes the aroma of Christ and attracts people to our savior. So, bless others, eat, listen, learn, and be sent. We are creating a movement of evangelistic believers that transforms our peninsula and actually provides opportunities for our gifted evangelists to, to insert themselves and proclaim the gospel boldly. And I want to end this sermon with an exhortation and don't use it against me don't misuse what i'm about to say because you could easily misuse it high school students especially this is what i'm going to end with carmel presbyterian church live questionable lives let's pray jesus we are in awe of the fact that you have not only called us out You have not only breathed life into us and saved us, but you have found purpose for each and every single one of us. That you don't need us to do anything, but instead you still invite us into the life giving work of telling people about who you are. Jesus, I ask you right now that Each one of us, even this week, would have people in our lives who ask us questions as to why we live the way we do. And God, may we be gracious in our response. May our words be seasoned with salt. May we be gentle and respectful, but may we proclaim the truth that is found alone in you, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.